You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. Hey, I'm Joshua Denoyer, and with me today, Shannon Bale from South Africa. We're going to walk through the Psalms today. Grab your Bibles, open them up to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a promise from God that you can have, and all you have to do is read it and apply it to your life. Amen. So open up your Bibles. We're going to be going through walk through the Psalms today. Shannon, I'm going to go ahead and pray before we get started. And then if you would like to read the first two verses and expound a little bit on those, uh, let's get going, shall we? Father, we thank you today for your blessing and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the Psalms, the promises that, Lord, you've given us through the Psalms. So many things, Lord, that David went through and you showed yourself to be, Lord, faithful through the Psalms. Father, I pray that you'd bless this time together, bless our study, minister to us, and give us, Lord, understanding in who you are. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, amen. Well, Josh, it's good to be back again. We get to do our walk through the Psalms, and we got you have to do Psalm 91. I mean, you just have to. It's one of the one of the, the staples of the Psalms. You know, everybody has ran to this psalm for many years. And I have a quote from a very famous uh, uh, preacher, pastor from long ago. His name is Charles Spurgeon. I know you know him, Josh. But he says this. Charles Spurgeon said, puts it this way. This psalm is a cheering psalm. Its tone is elevated and sustained throughout. Faith as at its best and speaks nobly through this psalm. I really, really like that quote that Charles Spurgeon, because that makes sense for all of us. Anyone that's ever been in, into church, anyone that's ever been to a funeral, anyone that's been, you know, been going through a hard time, they always go back to Psalm 91. And it is a very strong psalm of knowing that God is with us, that we can dwell in his presence and that he's with us through everything that we do. We don't just need to use it in the hard times. We, to be honest with you, I like to use it during the times where you know you can you can be on a mountaintop because it get, kind of gives you an understanding that it's not because you that you're on that mountaintop. It's because of our Lord and Savior that you're on that mountaintop. And we will always have those valley times. We've talked about it uh, a couple times here on walking through the Psalms. So. Anyway, I'm just going to get into reading, Pastor Josh, and we're going to read the first two verses. Uh, I'm going to be uh, reading from the New King James Version, for those that wanted to know. Verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide underneath the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. You know, uh, many times, I also read as I was studying up for this, Pastor Josh, I read that this psalm isn't uh, given over to, to, to anyone in person. A lot of the psalms are maybe given to David or Moses or, you know, some sons, the sons of uh, some prophets. 
but this one isn't really given over to, to just one person. Now, you'll read many commentaries and they will try, they will tell you that it sounds like David or it sounds like Moses, but they really can't pinpoint it. But it's still a psalm that everyone has been going to for many, many years. I mean, look what Charles Spurgeon said about it, you know. He said it's, it's, it's nobly, it's a cheering psalm, it, you know, it cheers you on. You know, you know, you know, your God's right there beside you. And it just has a, an, an elevated tone that sustains you. You can trust in God. So what I wanted to say, first of all, about this psalm is I want to look at verse one. Uh, and in verse one, it says the secret place of the most high. The most high is the is the name of God that suggests he is a, a supreme God is supreme. He is above all things. Uh, one who is elevated, elevated above everything. Uh, the title of the name of God signifies God's majesty, his sovereignty, and his preeminence. His preeminence means he was here before anyone else. He, he was here way before anyone else. I mean, he's the one who made everything around us. So, I, I like the fact that uh, the psalmist says the most high. We need to dwell in the secret place of the most high because we want to be underneath God when it comes down to things being rough. But we also want to be under the most high God when things are in the good. Also, in verse one, it says, shall abide under the shadow of the almighty, almighty, which has has many meanings. Uh, Joshua, you know this. But it has many meanings. We're not going to go into the, all that. But it's, but here we see that it's El Shaddai as our great provider. God is our great provider. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the gold and all the silver. He he made this earth, so he made all those things that are in the earth. Um, not just the not just for uh, the need of money or miraculous uh, beyond compare. He is mighty and he is a strong God. It has the understanding that he's a strong God and that we he's mighty. If we think about mighty, we think, oh, we got some mighty things happening in our life. You know what I mean? Uh, but we need to always understand that he's almighty. He's above everything. Maybe we can do some things really good and maybe somebody would call us mighty because of that. Or maybe we're doing miracles in the name of Jesus somehow that people would say, oh, they're mighty in that. Well, that's not us. It's the almighty that gives us that to do that. So um, with that, I'll go and move on to the next one. And that's in verse two. Um, I will say of the Lord. Now, Pastor Josh, I think you had something you wanted to hit on this. Um, how the, the Lord is all capitalized. I want you to go into a little bit of what that might mean, Pastor Josh. Well, if you, if you look into verse two, it says, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If you notice the connotations with references to God, the connotations that we've talked about in the first verse, the, the most high is capitalized. Most is capitalized. High is capitalized. Almighty is capitalized. But when you get to Lord, uh, all four letters are capitalized. The L-O-R-D is all capital letters, and they're a little bit smaller in your Bible than 
a capital letter would be. They're kind of capital, but they're the same size as a lowercase letter. That's important because when they translated the Psalms to from the Hebrew to the English, when they would read this, say in synagogue, of course they'd read it in Hebrew, but they would, but we would say in English, we would say, I will say of Yahweh, he is my refuge and my fortress. The word Lord in those capital, capital letters like that is signifying that name Yahweh in such a way that it's different than saying Lord with a capital L because then that's, that's connotation dealing with Jesus. And, but he's, they're, they're giving credence here and giving acknowledgement here to God's intimate name, Yahweh, when they put Lord L-O-R-D, all capital letters, lowercase size. So that's why they're doing that. And um, it's important because it it gives, it doesn't do away with the Jewish tradition. It just kind of gives us in English a way to understand the way they would have read that in that verse in synagogue or in the temple. Okay. So that's why they do that. I know some people have asked me that question. Why is that like that? And I've gone into this before, but I thought, you know, if you're reading along with us, if you're uh, going along with us and you say, see that and like wonder, I wonder why that's like that. And, and when it says he referring to God, only the H is uh, capitalized or G's only capitalizing God. What's the difference? That's the difference. They're, they're, they're giving acknowledgement to Yahweh. And they're they're acknowledging that name, that intimate name of God. So that's awesome. Thank you. Oh, another thing I found out about the word the Lord, it's the personal name of God. See, there's a lot of gods out there, and I know you know this, Pastor Josh, but there's a lot of gods, well, small g gods, so to speak, that um they're not you're not able to be intimate with them. You're not be able, you're not able to. Uh, come to uh, come to them personally. Well, this this is the personal name of God. He is our Lord. He has he wants to un he understands us, but he wants us to become more involved with him than we do are in with anything else. Because if we're involved with him personally, if we're intimate with God, if we love God, then that was that will help us with everything else that's going on in our lives, right? If we have a good relationship with God, it really does help us with our relationship with our kids, our spouse, those that we pastor, those that we speak to on the street. No matter where you go, if you've got a good relationship with the Lord, then most likely you're going to have a whole lot better time having relationships with those that uh, you're close to, but even those that you may see on the streets, you know, because of the Lord, you know, he wants, he's a relatable God, you know, any other gods that we see out in this world today, um, and I could just, you know, there's a number of them, and I'm not going to name them by, you know, just keep on naming them, but I'm just saying there's a lot of things that we can make our Lord or our God, you know, uh, I don't know, even our jobs sometimes, we, we put it before God, so that means we're putting, you know, a relationship like that before God, and that's that's not healthy. But I like the fact that he's not a far-off God. He's not dead. He's a risen Savior. You know, 
he's he's he wants to know every aspect of our lives and i know he does but we need to get that in our minds and our hearts and our souls that he wants to do that he is a god that is our father he is our redeemer and he is our friend so remember that when you read verse two when it says lord understand that he wants to be personal with you he uh, he loves you he wants to be your friend you know what i mean so um we see that throughout the old testament and the new testament pastor josh that that's what god wanted he just wants relationship with us and if we get relationship with him man it you can't get no better than that man you know it, it helps guide you one other thing a couple of things i want to bring out yeah you know, what you're saying there is is so so good because <clears throat> because what you're saying um brings about scripture okay two scriptures bring to mind and i'm not going to quote them for verbatim but i'll the principles of them uh the first one is god is not a respecter of person okay that tells me that no matter who you are it doesn't matter if you have a million dollars in the bank billion dollars in the bank or if you have nothing in the bank and you're overdrawn and you're you're behind on everything and you doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what kind of life you live, doesn't matter what what kind of clout you have in the community, doesn't matter. God is no respecter of person. So if you're down and out, <clears throat> like many of us have been in our lives, Jesus still loves you. Jesus still wants to be a part of your life. It, it, he's not just for the rich. He's not just for the down and out. He's for everyone. That's the first scripture. So I want you to be encouraged that you are good enough for God. You are good enough for him. He, he died for you no matter where you're at. And, and let, me, let me just bring this out. I'm, the Lord's just flowing right now. But you, you, are, you matter. You are worth something to God. You are important to God no matter what your status is, no matter where you are in life, no matter where you live. You are important to God. Yahweh. Not just a little God, but Yahweh. Okay. And the second scripture that I wanted to bring out is that when Jesus was tempted on the in the in the in, in the desert, it says in there he was tempted every manner of man. So anything that you go through, any kind of temptation, no matter what it is, and I'm not going to name temptations, but we all know what we're tempted by. We all know what we what our weaknesses are. Understand. Jesus Christ can identify with you. He's personal. He's personal. He's not above your head, above the world, with with everyone on a puppet puppet marionette strings, making sure everything works out. He's walking alongside you. If you let him, that's the catch. You've got to let him walk alongside you. You've got to, you have to, walk into the secret place he's not going to bring the secret place to you you have to walk into the secret place you have to put yourself under the shadow of the wings of the almighty you have to do that he's not going to make you do anything one of the things god is he he's not a respecter of person he identifies you but he is also a gentleman he is not going to make you do the things you don't want to do so that that would help to understand for us that we have to walk into that secret place. We have to walk under those wings. We have to walk into the presence of God. 
because he is not going to put it on us if we don't want it. So. Absolutely. He's looking for a relationship. He's not looking for hoarding something over somebody. He wants intimate relationship with you over and over every day. He wants intimate relationship with you. And the way we do that is get underneath his laws, uh, believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know, that's and that's what I'm going to go into to the next thing. The next one was my God. And, you know, it's the, right there at the end of verse two. It says, my God, you know, it's and it's got the capital again, the capital G. In uh, him, I will trust my God. Uh, God is first used in Genesis. I know you know this, Pastor. Uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. When, when, this, when my God is translated, it is usually just translated God, just God, you know, you know, the one word God. In the Greek, it is said to be theos, where we get our word theology from, the study of God, right? Theos, which we, in which we get our word theology. One who is first or creator who is one, yet plural. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are all one, but yet God. I hope, I hope that doesn't confuse anyone, but you do need to understand that God has three different personalities. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all work together, but they all do, uh, do things also. You know, the, the Father created, you know, created things. The Son, Jesus Christ, came, and uh, he was our, he's our Savior. He, he, he come and lived, you know. God came and lived in the person of Jesus. And then you have the Holy Spirit, which they tell us to wait for. When Jesus uh, went to the, you know, got crucified and went to the grave and then rose again, um, then he said, he told his disciples, wait, just wait. I want to send you the Holy Spirit. I have to send you the Holy Spirit, the third person of God. I hope that it's really, at first, when I started studying this type of thing, Pastor Josh, it could be kind of confusing. But if you just understand that all three of those work for your good, in any aspect, those three work for you good, and they work together. They're not separate from one another. They work together for the best of, uh, of you, those that call on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that's what I had about that, Pastor Josh. Yeah, and if you, if you noticed, um, you referenced Genesis 1. Yeah. It says in there that the Spirit hovered over the waters. I always viewed that as the Spirit was the active part in creation. Right. God commanded it. The Spirit brought it out. The Spirit sure. come to pass. And so, um, <clears throat> just to clarify that, and you had talked, I, I wanted to touch on this too. Sure. You had talked a little bit about different gods in our life mm -hmm. and how we need to understand that um, Jesus Christ, God the Father, he's a jealous God, says in Exodus chapter 20. He's a jealous God. And we do put gods in our life. You know, if you if you think about it, there are gods in our life right now in the in the world today. The situation in the world, the pandemic. Uh, not to date the episode, but the pandemic can become a God. 
we can focus on the pandemic. We can focus on the fear. We can focus on the the un- uncertainty. We can focus, and these become what we focus on, what we think about, and where we put our trust in the actions that we should be taking to prevent ourselves to becoming part of this. A number per se, because that's basically what it is. You go through things like that, you just become a statistic. So we we do these kinds of things. These become a God. Uh, you're watching this right now on Facebook and YouTube. Social media can become a God in your life. Television can become a God in your life. Your spouse, oh boy, don't don't do that. Your spouse can become a God in your life. Your children can become a God in your life. You see, what I've always believed and what I've always taught and what I've always felt <clears throat> is this. You put God the Father first in your life. You want to see your families get saved. You want to see your, your relationships get better. You want to see your children be um obedient and follow God. You want to see if you're a pastor, you want to see your church grow. If you're if you're a missionary, you want to see lives changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Put God first. Put him first. And he will bring about the what did Paul say? Said he said, you know, God will bring the increase. I water, God will bring the increase. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. How do we do that? How do we do that? We put him first. We put his put him put his word first, put spending time with him first. Make sure he has a good relationship. We've already talked about this at the beginning of the program. Put the put the put him first. And all of these things will work themselves out. They'll work themselves out. Now, in these next few verses, I'm going to be reading, unless you had anything else to add to that, Shannon. Um, these next few verses, I want to read down from three to eight. We're basically talking about God's promise of protection here for the believer, for you, for me, for those who really trust God. We're talking about the promise of protection here. God's protection, God's provision, God's protection. Starting in verse three, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter. I'm reading from the modern English version for those who are wanting to know. And from the deadly pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you shall find protection. His faithfulness shall be your shield and wall. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that pursues in darkness, nor the destruction that strikes at noonday. A thousand may fall by your side and ten thousand by your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. See, that's his protection. What does he say here? He will what? Deliver us from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers under his wings and you shall find protection. His faithfulness shall be your shield and wall. Now, these are things, these last few things are things we have to decide to do. 
We have to decide to put ourselves under his feathers. We have to decide to get behind that wall, to get behind that shield. We have to decide to do those things. It's on us. It's on us. We've already said he's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. It's on us to decide to do that. If we do that, what is our promise? Our promise is that we shall not be afraid by the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the destruction that strikes at noonday. His protection, his grace, his mercy. These are the things that we get if we would just put aside the gods of our life and put him first. We have to choose that. We have to choose that. Yeah, can I, can I add something with you, Pastor Josh, here? Sure. You don't mind? Sure. When, I was, when I was studying this, I studied it out, and it talked about the shield and the buckler. And you said shield and wall, I believe. It's the, you know, they, the, the, different, um, the different Bibles will tell you, know, use different words, but they mean the same thing. You know, many words mean the same thing. So don't get, please, anyone on here, don't get caught up in that. But uh, what I really like, and I'll just read it from here, it says, the shield and the buckler are very interesting here. We see that the shield and the buckler as a strong force, fortress, a wall, a strong fortress, or a coat of mail. You know, back in the day, they used to wear coats of mail when they would fight, so that would protect them from, you know, maybe a sword slicing them or something like that. So that's, once again, like you said, Pastor Josh, that's protection or a fortress or a wall. So this is how we need to see our God. You know, our God is all these things. He protects us with a wall. He protects us with a, a coat of mail. But let's not forget, and I really like how this comes out. Let's not forget that the word says uh, that the word says that the, says it's the truth is our shield and our buckler. So see, we have something to do here. We must operate in the truth. Once again, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read it from uh, from mine here. It says at the end of verse four, he says, "His truth, which is God." His truth shall be your shield and buckler. We must stay within his truths. We have to stay within his truths to stay within that protection. There are some things that we have to do. We don't need to serve the little G gods. We don't need to serve, you know, you were talking about Facebook and things like that. We don't need to go into all those um you know, chat rooms and just talk about negative things and stuff like that. That's just feeding into the things of the world. And that's not truth. You know what I mean? Our truth is found in this. It's found in the word of God. You know, so if we will stay in his truth, that the Bible, if we will stay in the Bible, it will be our fortress. It will be our coat of mail that will cover us. It's God protecting us once again but I, I just wanted to bring out the fact that he says his truth it's not just a shield or a buckler but it's his truth that is our shield and our buckler so that's what i wanted to i just wanted to bring that out pastor josh because it really hit me when i read it i had never read it that before that way before but if i will stay within his truth if we will all stay within his truth within his word that's where that protection is found that it's found in the truth it's found in his word. You know, if we will continue to walk in his word, then we will, you know, we'll, we'll see that protection all the time. And see what, what I'm keep, I keep going back to is the choices we make. 
because, you know, we cannot, no one can sit there. Now, now I have two boys in the other room there with my wife. I can sit there and make them read their Bibles. At this age, you know, you tell them, sit down and read a chapter. You know, they can read, they can, they've got young enough Bibles that they can read them. So I tell them, sit down and read, read, read one chapter of the Bible. But in their life growing up, they have to choose to continue that. And so in his truth, we have to choose to continue to walk in his truth and to follow his truth. And how do we do that? We get into the word of God. We do studies like walk through the Psalms. We, we, and basically what these are, for those of you that are watching and listening, what these are, these are just Shannon and I doing our own devotionals and doing our own study and coming about and talking about it. You know, this isn't, this isn't a big theology thing. This isn't a big um, uh, thing that we're doing that is considered to be, you know, of, of doctrinal experience or whatever. This is just our personal interaction with the scripture, bringing it about so you can get some understanding, but you have to do that. You have to put the effort in. You have to choose to put the effort in. Some of you might say, well, the Bible's hard to understand. And I'll agree with you. King James is hard to understand if you're not familiar with it. But there are other translations. There are other things you can do. They that you can you can now, for those of you that are that that are watching and listening, you can now go online and you can have the Bible read to you. If you don't like to read it, you can have a re God has made this so easy for us. God has made it so easy for us to choose him. If we don't want to sit down and read it, we can listen to it. You know, or we can watch stories. God has made it so easy for us to get the word into our heart. The question is, are we willing to put the time in? If you want these promises, this protection, these kinds of things, if you want those kinds of things, you have to put the time in. You have to put the protect, you have to put the time in to get the protection. He goes on and he says, He says, A thousand may fall by your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Now we need to we need to talk a moment here about what I don't know if we've talked about this before, but what's the difference between the righteous and the wicked? Because the Bible uses words like wicked and iniquity and things like this. So what is the difference between a wicked a person that is wicked and a person that is righteous? Well, not a whole lot except for a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be honest with you. The Bible says that if you are not in God, you are an enemy of God. You have enmity with the Father, you're an enemy with God. If you are not with Jesus Christ, if you are not walking with him, that's your status in heaven. You're an enemy of God. You're considered one of the wicked. Okay? Now, what he's referring to here in the psalm what david is referring to here in the psalm i think goes a little bit farther than that i think it goes into people that were engrossed in iniquity what is an iniquity an iniquity is not just a passing sin that you struggle with an iniquity is something that it becomes to be the sin becomes part of who you are you don't care whether it it's damaging to your relationship with god or anyone else you don't care you just want to do it. It becomes part of your character. It becomes part of who you are. It becomes how part of how you relate to other people in life. That is an iniquity. And those things, those things, excuse me, need to be rooted out. 
So the wickedness of man is the sin nature, and we all have the sin nature. 